0: Well, Merry Christmas and thank you band for leading us tonight in worship and greetings to you online. Yeah, give them a hand. Well, I hope this season has been filled with, uh, with some songs, with some anticipation for, for this evening and this day, tomorrow, Christmas Day, and, and we're just so excited to be together wherever you are. I hope you've got your slippers on if you're at home and, and the presents are under the tree. It's just a night filled with anticipation uh, as we make our way to Christmas morning. Well, uh, songs have filled our house, um, and it's just got to be said that there are some bad Christmas songs, right? Okay, it's okay. And I'm okay offending a couple of you because uh, that's all right, because songs are songs. And so, for example, there's a song that my roommate in college hates, and college was 15 years ago, but every time I hear this song, I call Buzz. And whether I'm in a department store or I'm at home, I just put it up to the speakers. And it usually goes to voicemail because if it's a call in December, he knows what it's about. Uh, and it's Paul McCartney's Simply Having a Wonderful Christmas Time. He can't, it's nasally to him. He can't get over it. I love it. I think I love it more because he hates it, you know? I think there's one of those things going on. But there are some, there's some interesting songs out there, right? Uh, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas. Pretty like self-centered, you know, and nothing against Mariah, but it's just like, all I want for Christmas is you, it's just about this relationship, or or uh, I want a hippopotamus for Christmas, only hippopotamus, yeah, you like that one? I don't, yeah, it's it's terrible, like what is, hippos, <laughs> like who, who wrote that? It's one of those things that goes viral, but you don't know why, it's just unfathomable why that's a Christmas song, and, uh, and those are... Songs, those are bad ones in my opinion, maybe different than yours, but there are good Christmas songs, right? There are really good ones, and then there are great Christmas songs. <laughs> we sang a couple choruses tonight, and we have a few more ahead of us, but I think what makes the difference between a good and a great Christmas song is important to dissect. Leonard Cohen, uh, author of Hallelujah, the the famous lyric, wrote this when asked about songs. He says, people have asked me where great songs come from. If I knew, I'd go there more often. (laughs) If I knew how to crank out a million-dollar lyric, I would do it more often. but, But I can't because songs are born of some place, of some experience, of some encounter is where a great song comes from. I want to suggest tonight that a good song comes from just normal humdrum stuff, but a great song comes when we experience Him. And the hymn is Jesus. The hymn is God the Father, the hymn Holy Spirit. When we experience God, a song can come out of that place. We're going to look at Mary tonight. Mary, the mother of Jesus, writes one of the earliest Christmas hymns. It's beautiful, it's poetic, it's, it's epic, and we're gonna go there eventually. But to know where that song comes from, you've got to step into Mary's bedroom, into her house, into her journeying during these months of carrying this baby Jesus and see the experiences, the encounters that she had. And a, a college professor of mine, a graduate school professor at Wheaton College, Dr. Johnson, has this textbook that he gives all of the students to read during the semester. And it's, uh, it's a textbook called the Jesus Storybook Bible. <laughs> He's a fantastic professor and, uh, and he assigns this to all of his graduate students. <laughs> I love it because it's a book that's on many of your shelves if you have kids at home. If you don't, I got this for like $1 at Savers this week. So like I, it's $11 if you buy it online, but it's like totally worth your investment. Uh, but I want to read to you Mary's encounter and experience from the Jesus Storybook Bible. You'll see some of the images on the screen that I'm seeing in the book. It's illustrated beautifully. Creepy in my five year old's words, but beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But here's what it says in uh, in the paraphrase of Luke chapters one and two titled, He's Here. Everything was ready. The moment God had been waiting for was here at last. God was coming to help his people, just as he promised in the beginning. But how would he come? What would he be like? What would he do? Mountains would have bowed down, seas would have roared, trees would have clapped their hands, but the earth held its breath. As silent as snow falling, he came in. And when no one was looking in the darkness, he came. There was a young girl who was engaged to a man named Joseph. Joseph was the great, 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 great grandson of King David. One morning, this girl was minding her own business when suddenly a great warrior of light appeared in her bedroom. He was Gabriel, and he was an angel, a special messenger from heaven. When she saw the tall, shining man standing there, Mary was frightened. You don't need to be scared, Gabriel said. God is very happy with you. Mary looked around to see if perhaps he was talking to someone else. Mary, Gabriel said, and then he laughed with such gladness that Mary's eyes filled with sudden tears. Mary, you're going to have a baby, A little boy, you will call him Jesus. He is God's own son. He's the one. He's the rescuer. The God who flung planets into space and kept them whirling around and around. The God who made the universe with just a word. The one who could do anything at all was making himself small and coming down as a baby. Wait, God was sending a baby to rescue the world? But it's Too wonderful, Mary said, and felt her heart beating hard. How can it be true? Is anything too wonderful for God, Gabriel asked? So Mary trusted God more than what her eyes could see, and she believed, I am God's servant, she said, whatever God says, I will do. Sure enough, it was just as the angel had said. Nine months later, Mary was almost ready to have her baby. Now Mary and Joseph had to take a trip to Bethlehem, the town King David was from. But when they reached the little town, they found every room was full, every bed was taken. Go away, the innkeepers told them. There isn't any place for you. Where would they stay? Soon Mary's baby would come. They couldn't find anywhere except an old tumble-down stable, so they stayed where the cows and the donkeys and the horses stayed. And there, in the stable, amongst the chickens and the donkeys and the cows in the quiet of the night, God gave the world his wonderful gift. The baby that would change the world was born, his baby son. Mary and Joseph wrapped him up to keep him warm. They made a soft bed of straw and used the animal's feeding trough as his cradle. And they gazed in wonder at God's great gift, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Mary and Joseph named him... Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God has come to live with us because, of course, he had. Mary's got a few experiences in there, right? (laughs) A few drop-your-jaw experiences. One, she's in her bedroom, in her home, and interrupted by an angel, a warrior of light. And in this moment, she's frightened, and the angel allays her fears and says, don't be afraid. God is happy with you, like he loves you, and I have good news to share with you. And and the angel also tells her, as he tells her, that the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and you will conceive, and you will become pregnant with God's son. And he follows that with even Elizabeth, your distant relative, your cousin Elizabeth, she is six months pregnant. And she who was said to be barren bears a child. So it will be with you, Mary. And Mary's response is, may it be. Mary's a, a peasant teenager from Nazareth. Nazareth has 500 people in its town. It's not a place you go to unless you have a reason to go to Nazareth. There's literally cave dwellings because they, they knew that the Romans would come in and take their stuff and tax them. And so they hid stuff like on the third floor underneath ground. They would just dig at a lower level when they wanted to hide their valuables. And, and here Mary is, is a part of this town called Nazareth, this podunk town, way off the beaten path. And it's in this place where she hears this news from Gabriel and she bolts. Like, she has to go to see Elizabeth, and Elizabeth is a long ways away south in the, in the country of Judah, in the hill country, and she goes there. And we don't know how she gets there, who she goes with or what, but we just know that as soon as she enters Elizabeth and Zechariah's home, something happens. As soon as her feet cross the threshold of their doorway, the baby that's six months along in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy. Elizabeth is speechless and tries to welcome her guest, but something is happening inside her. And, and they have this moment of like, this is like real, Mary. <laughs> like something happened in me when you walked in the room and, and now they're swapping stories. There's three people in this house. There's Zechariah, this older priest who can't speak because he actually, unlike Mary, he did not believe that they could have a baby because they were in their seventies. But the angel has said to them, this will happen. And until it does, you can't speak, Zechariah. So Zechariah can't talk and he's the, the man of the house and the two women who are there for three months, Mary and Elizabeth, are both pregnant and in nesting mode and eating a lot of green bean casserole if, uh, if that's what your jam is. Uh, that's what our pregnancy jam was when we were pregnant. And there's this sense that there's a lot going on here and these two are just there with each other. There's some decades between them but Mary and Elizabeth are now Carrying, this, carrying babies in ways that are miracles. There's a sense, I have a picture of them just kind of coming out for breakfast at the breakfast nook and, and having their meal and just looking at each other like, what? They had heard about this promise of a Messiah. for for hundreds of years, there had been 400 years of silence between God's last prophet and between Gabriel visiting both Elizabeth and Mary, Zechariah and Mary, excuse me. And there's this this sense that they knew this was coming, but they didn't know that they would be the ones to be a part of God's plan. Like they'd heard that a Jewish woman would be the, the mother of the Messiah, but to be told that you would be that mother was jaw-dropping and stunning for Mary. And so they're wrapping their minds around all the promises in the Bible in the Old Testament that have led to this moment and how they've heard their great-grandparents and their grandparents talk about this and those people didn't get to see what was coming to pass, but now they are key players in God's rescue story. And Zechariah's in the corner unable to speak, but taking it all in, believing it more every day as well. And they do lunches together and they watch the sunset in Judah. And there's this moment where where all the promises of God are just welling up and coming true. And that's when I feel like Mary disappears. And this is when we can ask, where does a great song come from? Well, it comes from experience. There's this beautiful moment where uh, uh, Jackson Pollock, the kind of weird abstract artist from many decades ago, was asked, like, how long does your painting take? Like, how long did this piece take to make? And he simply responded, a lifetime. Like, <laughs> it didn't happen in five hours. That, that was a lifetime work, what I created there. There's a, there's a sense that every brushstroke, every like splatter of paint was intentional. And these pieces of art, these beautiful poems and songs and masterpieces are a lifetime long in their, their building. Mary, overshadowed by the Holy Spirit when she conceives Jesus, now retires to her bedroom in my imagination. And there is a desk and there's an inkwell and there is a oil lamp lighting the table. And she sits down and overshadowed, empowered by the Holy Spirit, puts the pen to paper. Now, mind you, this is a teenage peasant girl who has likely not been to school, who has not likely learned meter and verse and rhythm and tempo and rhyme or poetry. But God empowers her. And as she puts the pen to paper, she writes what's called the Magnificat. Like, if you look it up, what does Magnificat mean? Because I wondered. It just means Mary's song. Like, like they made up a word to mean what we're about to read, Mary's song. And Mary's pouring over the history of her people, how God has saved them in the past and how he is now saving them in the future through this present moment. And she starts to write. I want you to read Mary's song. I'm going to ask uh, the the band to come out or Chad's going to come out and play underneath this because it's just... It's beautiful, it's poetic, it's epic. And it means so much for this peasant girl to be writing these words that would become the longest words in scripture written by a woman in the New Testament. And they are just recorded for us to hear. So Luke chapter one, verses 46 to 55. You'll see this on the screens too. And before I read it, I just want you to think of all the experiences and encounters that Mary might have had to write these words. Because good songs exist, but great songs are about Him. You're going to hear Him, His, a lot in these verses. And a great song is about Him. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors.
1: are bright be sure
2: Well, this is the traditional part of our Christmas Eve service where we do our candle lighting. And of course, a candle is such a beautiful representation of God. You see, we have the light of Christ. We have the warmth of the Father's heart. And we have the presence of the Holy Spirit demonstrated, felt, seen in a beautiful little candle flicker. So tonight we're going to have to do a little pretending, but we're going to have the very same effect. the very same symbolic reality of the presence of God it's just gonna be a little more fun and maybe a little more awkward because you know what I had zero glow stick experience in my life until about a half hour ago (laughs) and so when I was instructed to break it gently That, I didn't quite know how to do that. How do you break something gently? Well, so I was back there and I just bent it a little bit. And uh, contrary to my fear, you know, whatever this liquid is didn't come spewing out. But there was a discernible break in a sound after which I was instructed to shake it. And then what happened? I had a glow stick. See, some of you are ahead of me out there, I see you. Very good. So we're gonna try and do this in the same cascading way that we did the candles, okay? So front row, you ready to go? As we sing Silent Night, we're gonna go ahead and break these gently shake them and let them glow, okay? Here we go. I did it. Enjoy the quiet for a minute. We don't have the same glow as a candle, but if you look around, you can see faces shining around you. And you know what I love about that? You know, the Bible says that God is love the Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world. Love in light. And if you think about it, love always communicates, and light always reveals. And so we ask you, Father, would you come to us in this moment? We need the warmth of your heart. Jesus, we need your light. Holy Spirit, we need your flame and your presence. And as we have this little encounter, let's remember what the angel Gabriel said to Mary. Don't be scared. God is very happy with you and for those of us who need to hear those words deep in our heart I just want to say it again don't be scared of God invite him near and realize that He is very happy with you. And so just like God became flesh and dwelt among us, as he is in you, he has become flesh again. Dwelling among us and wherever you go when you leave here. So Father, we need you more than ever. We need one another more than ever. Would you bond us with your love, in your love and with one another, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you can blow out your... Oh, I guess you can't. But guess what? These things might last all the way until Christmas morning, so check it out. And we would like you to take these with you delight of Jesus, please take it with you. And a couple of quick announcements. If you're joining us online, we will be available in the Zoom Room immediately following the service if you have questions, if you want to talk, or if you want to pray. Secondly, this Sunday, December 27th, we will be gathering only online. So we won't be gathering here online only. And uh, you can view that, you can access that on our website and enjoy the service anytime you want. So Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy New Year. And uh, we will see you uh, in 2021. Good night, everybody.